This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Community Podcast. On this edition, a review of recent news stories as reported by the editors of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The Supreme Court on May 24th unanimously ruled that an individual who fails to file a timely charge challenging the adoption of an employment practice may file a disparate impact claim challenging an employer's later application of that practice as long as the individual alleges each of the elements of such a claim. The city of Chicago was sued in 1998 in a lawsuit claiming the entrance exam given to Chicago Fire Department applicants in 1995 discriminated against black applicants. An Illinois federal judge ruled the exam was discriminatory. However, the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals reversed, finding that the suit was untimely. The U.S. Supreme Court on May 24th asked the U.S. Solicitor General to file a brief expressing the views of the executive branch on whether state law failure to warn claims involving generic drugs are preempted by federal law. Two companies are appealing a December ruling by the Eighth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals that federal law does not preempt failure to warn claims in a generic Reglan lawsuit. The Eighth Circuit found that the Supreme Court's earlier drug preemption ruling in Wyeth v. Levine applied to generic drugs. In the Eighth Circuit case, a woman alleges her long-term use of metoclopramide caused her to develop a permanent neurological disorder with symptoms similar to those of Parkinson's disease. The defendants argued that because federal law governing generic drugs requires them to adopt warning labels approved by the FDA for the name brand predecessor drugs, they cannot add warnings to their labels and that state law product liability claims are preempted. The Eighth Circuit ruled that the Hatch-Waxman amendments to the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act were intended to speed the introduction of lower-cost generic versions of name brand drugs after patents expired on the name brand drugs. The appeals court adopted the reasoning of the Supreme Court in Levine that drug makers have a continuing obligation to update warning labels following FDA approval. The West Virginia federal judge presiding in the Digitech multidistrict litigation has denied certification to a consolidated consumer class action. 58 Digitech product liability cases alleging defendant activists released Digitech tablets containing double the appropriate dosage to the public in 2008 were transferred to an MDL in the Southern District of West Virginia. The plaintiffs allege the tablets could cause digitalis toxicity, resulting in numerous heart, gastrointestinal, blood pressure, and vision problems. The class action claimants sought certification of a class of people who purchased Digitech and suffered economic losses, including payments for the drugs and out-of-pocket expenses for diagnostic testing, medical testing, medical visits, and new prescriptions. The judge said certification would present major choice of law problems and that the common issues clearly did not predominate over the highly individualized ones. The Food and Drug Administration on May 25th warned that proton pump inhibitors used to treat heartburn have an increased risk of fractures of the hip, wrist, and spine when used in high doses or for long periods of time. The new warning affects prescription drugs such as Nexium, Prilosec, Prevacid, and others and over-the-counter drugs, Prilosec OTC and Prevacid 24-hour, among others. The drugs are prescribed and used to treat gastroesophageal reflux disease, stomach and small intestine ulcers, and inflammation of the esophagus. The FDA said it reviewed several epidemiological studies that reported an increased risk of hip, wrist, and spine fractures in patients using proton pump inhibitors. 
It says users who are at the greatest risk took high doses of the drug and used them for a year or more. The FDA said healthcare providers and consumers should weigh the benefits of the drugs against the risk in determining whether to use them. The agency said labels on all the drugs will be changed to include the increased risk. A Florida jury on May 19th found cigarette manufacturer Philip Morris is not liable for the death of a longtime smoker, marking the third defense victory among Engel progeny trials to date. The jury answered no on the first question presented, whether the man had a primary lung cancer. The jury was not required to decide whether he was addicted to Philip Morris cigarettes, and if so, whether the addiction was a legal cause of his lung cancer and death. A day later, a smoker's widow was awarded just over $29 million by a Florida jury in a recent plaintiff's verdict among Engel progeny trials. Matthew Buonomo began smoking at age 13 and allegedly developed chronic obstructive pulmonary disease as a result. He and his wife sued numerous tobacco companies as former members of the class in Engel v. Liggett Group that was broken up by the Florida Supreme Court in 2006. Only R.J. Reynolds, whose Camel cigarettes were the man's preferred brand, remained in the case. RJR argued that Buonomo died of congestive heart failure, a condition not caused by smoking. The company also contended he chose to smoke and could have quit had he wanted to. Buonomo died in 2008 at age 80, and his widow pressed on with the action. The trial's first phase concluded May 14th, with the six-member jury finding Buonomo was addicted to RJR cigarettes, and that the addiction was a legal cause of his COPD. The jury found RJR 77.5% responsible for Matthew's disease and death, and Buonomo himself 22.5% responsible. Phase 2 saw the jury deliberate for about five hours before awarding $29.1 million to Buonomo. The verdict comprises $4.1 million in compensatory and $25 million in punitive damages. However, because the jury apportioned liability between the decedent and RJR, the verdict will be reduced accordingly. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Tobacco Litigation Report Editor, Jerry Maddox. Three Kentucky residents who owned rental property along the Gulf Coast filed a class action lawsuit in Kentucky Federal Court May 19th, seeking damages resulting from the April 20th Deepwater Horizon oil rig accident. The suit naming BP, Transocean, Halliburton, and Cameron International was one of three similar class actions recently filed by rental property owners. They appear to be the first class action lawsuits filed by plaintiffs who do not primarily reside in a Gulf Coast state. Mealy Publications has tracked well over 100 class action lawsuits that have been filed as a result of the accident. In addition, numerous individual claims have been filed in both state and federal courts. A lawsuit was filed May 17th in Oregon Federal Court alleging that while collecting data and images for its Google Street View feature, Google also used wireless packet sniffers on their roving vehicles that collected various data from people's wireless internet connections without their knowledge or permission. The plaintiffs maintained that because the Street View packet sniffing data collection was done in secret, users could not and did not give their consent to Google's activities. They say after collecting the personal information, Google stored it on its servers, making it potentially available to hundreds if not thousands of Google employees. The judge presiding over a consolidated action in a Maryland federal court involving the marketing of Tyson Chicken has granted final approval of a $5 million settlement and $3 million in fees and expenses. Actions stem from the alleged improper marketing of chicken products by Tyson Foods as being antibiotic-free. The litigation consisted of eight cases filed against Tyson in federal courts around the country. The sum of all class claims, costs, and incentive awards is less than $5 million. Tyson must pay the difference by providing donations to food banks.
The Maryland Court of Appeals on May 24th found that the daughter of a nursing home resident lacked any authority to sign an arbitration agreement upon the admission of her father to a nursing and rehabilitation facility. The high court held that although no power of attorney was needed to grant the daughter such authority, there was no evidence that the resident extended his daughter's powers over his financial and health care decisions to making legal determinations on his behalf. The Nevada Supreme Court May 27th upheld a verdict for the defendants in a medical malpractice case. That state's high court said it was not unreasonable for a jury to find that a woman's husband died after not following the defendant physician and medical center's medical advice. The widow claimed the standard of care required the doctor to counsel her husband to be admitted to the hospital for observation and testing. The defendants maintained the man left the hospital against medical advice. And a Georgia appeals panel May 21st affirmed a lower court ruling in favor of self-tanning lotion manufacturer L'Oreal. The appeals court found a woman failed to show that other consumers experienced similar side effects after using the product and that the company had a duty to warn of the possibility of skin reactions. A woman who suffers from multiple sclerosis claimed L'Oreal failed to warn her of the potential dangers of using Paris Sublime Bronze self-tanning lotion. The woman claimed that after using the lotion, her skin was severely irritated in areas where sunlight touched her skin through her car's windows, which exacerbated her MS. The trial court found the company did not know the product could cause the reaction it did and said the woman failed to produce evidence that L'Oreal should have known of the danger. On appeal, the woman argued that just because the product was safe to use by most people, it may not be safe for all consumers. But the appeals panel affirmed, noting the woman failed to contradict L'Oreal's experts that the product's testing was adequate and did not reveal any potential adverse reactions. Visit the LexisNexis store for all your legal book and software needs. The store offers thousands of titles to help you in the practice of law and in managing the business of your legal practice. You can reach our e-commerce site by clicking on the Store tab at the top of the LexisNexis homepage or by going to LexisNexis.com store. This edition of the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Community Podcast was written by the editors of LexisNexis Mealies, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Community Podcast, copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. Visit all the LexisNexis communities at www.lexisnexis.com forward slash community. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thanks for listening.